Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel reading appointed for today, this 15th Sunday after Trinity, ends with these words of Jesus. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We hear that reading every year. We hear that admonition and resolve to do better, seeking to follow what the Lord says. Then, no sooner than we walk out the church door, maybe even before that, after the sermon ends, or during the sermon, we wander into the realm where we are anxious. And the day's trouble, it's not enough. So we need to add to it. But the thing about all of this is that we're the ones who do this. Now, sure, we can think there are outside factors which cause us anxiety. Family, work, the economy, moving, politics, weather, Cleveland sports teams, whatever. Yes, those are real things in our lives, but when it boils down to it, being anxious about tomorrow or our lives in general, it happens where? In our own hearts, our own minds. We are the ones to be anxious because our hearts are still tainted by original sin. Just as every commandment comes back to the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, being anxious about life and in life shows our old sinful man in its true colors and the fact that we really don't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Because if we did really fear, love, and trust in God above all things and at all times, we wouldn't be anxious, we wouldn't worry, and we would always be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when we worry, when we are anxious, then God calls us to hear his word, to repent. And Jesus gives us a way of examining our lives in the gospel reading that knocks us back into not our reality, but God's reality, when we find ourselves being anxious and worrying. Listen again to what Jesus teaches us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So we do well to pay attention then to those words of Jesus in, those, in that reading. Because he's not only teaching us these, what this kind of concept is, but he's also teaching a line of thinking, so to speak. And there's an element from the lesser to the greater in all of this that it humbles us, and it, but it also comforts us. So when we are worrying, when we are anxious... It's almost ridiculous. It really it is ridiculous. It's laughable. 
Think about birds using that example of Jesus. Birds are frail creatures. They can fly right into your window and die because they mistook it for a flight path through your house unless you don't clean your windows. However, we just got new windows in the parsonage and some birds have done that, right? They also don't have a job. They don't go and then plant with the latest seed and the exact rows and then harvest up their crops with the latest combine technology. And they do just fine. They eat, they fly, they lay their eggs, they use cars for target practice. Or look at the flowers of the field, how beautiful they are. Lilies, sunflowers, take your pick. So they grow into these beautiful sites for us and then they wither and die or they're plowed over, or we throw them into the fire and they burn up. So as rich as a person may be, or the resources he may have at his disposal, he can't make himself simply just grow and be into this beautiful sight like that. But yet those flowers, which are alive today and gone tomorrow, are thrown into the fire. The Lord takes, the Lord, though, takes care of us. And Jesus puts that big principle in the middle there, too. Which of us can add a single hour to his span of life by being anxious or worrying? How many of you are going to live longer lives because you've worried about things? Well, none of you will. None of us will. It doesn't work that way. And instead, we waste our lives away. So we think pretty highly of ourselves and pretty low of God when we doubt that God will take care of us. When the things of this creation are taken of, They will one day pass away, but we won't. We won't pass away. Jesus didn't come down from heaven and become a sparrow. He didn't become a lily. He took on human flesh. He is fully God and fully man. And failure to see, recognize, and believe and lift this out in our lives is what God is getting at today in the reading and why he says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's enough to do for today that you don't need to borrow trouble for sure. And don't be anxious because you honestly, I mean, do you honestly believe, do any of us honestly believe that God is going to take care of all these things like birds, flowers, mosquitoes, and not take care of us? If that's what we think, if that's how we live, Jesus is right. We are indeed of little faith. That's why all of us, all of us need to repent. Do you think, here's the thing, though, in all of this that's comforting. God does care for you. He cares for you because he loves you in Christ and he's redeemed you. So even those times when it may appear God isn't taking care of you, he still is. You just might not see it or realize. That hymn of the day appointed for this Sunday of the church year is wonderful. Right? Even though the cup that we may be drinking may taste of bitterness at times, we still drink it anyways because we know that if God gives it to us, it's for our good. We, Rebecca and I are old enough to remember back when medicine didn't taste good. Right? Our kids haven't had to live through that. They actually want to take medicine. But right? You take things. Sometimes it doesn't taste good, but it's for your good. So we, as Christians, we receive those things. And we know and trust that God is taking care of us. And we know that you see that you are more value than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Yes, there is an order in creation. You see Jesus, he is the Son of God, the Word made flesh. Because God has got some skin in the game of your life. He's got a vested interest. Because he's created you. He's redeemed you. 
he still takes care of you. Remember what you call God because you belong to Christ. There's a title of a relationship that you have with him. You call God Father. And the Almighty God, who has no beginning and no end, who created all things by his word, that very God is the one who you call your Father. And that means something. And it's significant for your life every day. So as a baptized child of God, then you view the world differently. You look around and you view it as one who calls God Father. Who when you see God's creation, you know, my Father created those things just as he created me. And he paid the price of his own blood of his son in order that I would live with him forever. And so then he gives you daily bread. He guards and keeps you in his care, and he's given you a promised inheritance of eternal joy and peace because in Christ you are his sons and his daughters. Romans 8 asks an important question related to the gospel reading today and answers it. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who has the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those are the promises that God makes to you in his word and gives to you even this day as he says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when Jesus makes a statement like that, he backs it up. He actually makes good on those promises and the certainty that he will take care of you even under everlasting life. You can even say that as you face death. That you face it as one who's not anxious, but one who has certainty of what you have even in death, that you have life. So how do you know this? Well, quite simply, you know it because Christ has died for you. And Christ has risen from the dead. And you are baptized into Christ. And this is most certainly true. God speaks those words of certainty through the waters of your baptism, through his word, through his means of grace, and you cling to those and hold him to his promises. And you know what? This applies to your everyday life, but it also applies to the church. The church of God also has the promise that not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. That's another bold statement, isn't it? But that's the promise the Lord makes to you this day as I stand here preaching this sermon for the last time as your pastor. Because there is a lot to be anxious about today. Or at least we think there may be myself most definitely included. But I have to keep telling myself, just as we tell one another, don't forget who the Lord of the church is. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus's church. Because he is the one who has bought the church, bought you with the price of his own blood. Jesus loves you as Ephesians 5 wonderfully proclaims. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word, 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Jesus Christ is yours. He's lived for you. He's died for you. He's risen for you. He is still with you through his means of grace. He still takes care of you, and he will come again to raise you up on the last day. That's who your Savior is, and you are his children. So be at peace in all things, even in death, for the Lord has won the day. So all of this is proclaimed to you, and as your pastor this Sunday, my word to you that God is speaking to you through me to say is fix your eyes on Jesus. If you never remember a single thing about myself as your pastor, or even my family, you'll probably remember more about them than me, or my hilariously funny jokes, my striking good looks, or whatever else. I pray that you can look back on these past 10 years that God granted me the privilege, the honor, and blessing and joy to serve as your pastor. And you can say about me, he preached Christ crucified. He gave us Jesus. That's my prayer that I have done, that as the Lord's humble servant in your midst, and that he will use me to do the same where I am, I serve him in the future. I've mentioned time and again, that's why we pastors wear these vestments, to hide the person so that Christ would be proclaimed. And I also pray that you never lose sight of Jesus. Never lose sight of the fact that he will keep you in his care. But I need not worry. I need not be anxious because Jesus promises he will do that. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for my family. He'll do it for all of of his people. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's who you are. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We will see each other again. If it's on this side of the grave, I will rejoice greatly. But if it's not, I know we will see one another again on some day. But you see, on that day, it will be the day that will not end. A day that we no longer part our separate ways. Because together we are the body of Christ, all of us. And the church remains forever. We will be members of that same church now, only in different locations. But the Lord the faith, the baptism are all the same. And the day is coming when we will be waving palm branches before the throne of the Lamb. We'll be standing before the Lord's throne, we'll look at one another, and our song will be the same as we are united once again and singing, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then all of us will take our places at the eternal wedding feast, and we'll be rejoicing together as we see now Jesus face to face. And we'll see one another without any anxiousness, without any worry at all. For everything will be complete. Everything will be made new. Everything will be ours forever. Amen.